Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Have you ever wished that someone would show you a little grace? You know you don't deserve it, but what a difference it would make. But that seldom happens, doesn't it? There are no freebies in life, we say. You get what you work for, and you get what you pay for, every man for himself. Well, we've got good news for you. There is grace. God's amazing grace has provided a wonderful salvation. Amazing Grace is more than just a popular hymn. It's a living reality that has come right alongside each one of us. God's love for the undeserving has been revealed and expressed in the greatest of ways. Please listen as Evangelist Marvin Dirksen carefully traces for us the thrilling truths about grace in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. In verse number 8 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now that's all I'm going to read, and so if you'll allow me to read 27 more words, we're going to read them again. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man, lest any woman, should boast. be interesting if I were to knock at your door tomorrow, and I would just ask you one question. I'd say, ma'am or sir, I'm interested. How could I go to heaven? How could I know that I'm going to heaven? What would your answer be? How could a person know that they're going to be in heaven? How could they have peace with God? Well, that is a very personal question, isn't it? But it's a very important question. And I think if... Well, I shouldn't say think. I, I'm pretty assured that if I were to go to a, a lot of doors, they would say, well, you know, you, you have to do the best you can. And they would suggest all kinds of other things. You must keep the Ten Commandments, and you must be sincere, and you must be kind to your neighbor, and you must do this, and you must do that. And the bottom line is, if you do all those things, you just might get to heaven. Is that the way a person gets to heaven? Most people think that you've got to do something. And we know that we're living in a world in which there are very few freebies. If you get a free offer, we're always looking for the hook, aren't we? We're always looking for the bottom line. There's a, there's a catch there somewhere. They might give you something, but they want to come into your home and present something else to you so that they get more business or whatever. The case. There are no freebies. And so when we speak of the gospel as being a gift, and that's exactly what we've read of, people say there is a catch. But tonight what we have read is the clear, unadulterated word of the living God. And these two verses that we have read tell us how a person is saved, how a person can get to heaven. Maybe you have wondered on occasion, am I going to heaven? 
am I absolutely sure of being in heaven? If the truth of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are foreign to you, then, friend, I would like to encourage you, look at what God says. Because Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, along with so many other verses, tell us clearly what God says as to how we can have everlasting life. I want to notice what Paul is writing here by the Spirit of God because he uses some wonderful words. And he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And so I want to speak very simply tonight of this wonderful truth of, of grace, grace. And I trust you will embrace grace tonight, that, that you will accept what God is offering because grace is a tremendous truth. For by grace, he says, are ye saved? And so when the Bible speaks about being saved, this is not just something that we, we, we speak about in this building. This is a Bible truth. And hundreds of times in the, in the scriptures, it speaks about God's salvation, about being saved. And so every person going to heaven is able to tell of a moment when we were saved. I wonder about you. If I were to say, are, are you saved? You might say, well, I, I hope so. Or you might say, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I can, I can tell you that that was the way it was for me with, for almost 22 years. There came a moment when I knew I, I had never been saved, but I needed to be rescued. And tonight, this wonderful truth is a Bible truth, salvation experienced. Wonderful to be saved. How mandatory it is to be saved. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And so there is to be faith exercised. And I simply mean by that is that as God tells us what his word is, as God explains the way of salvation, God desires and God requests that we would believe what he says to be true because it is true. Trusting God, trusting this unchangeable book, trusting the finished work of Christ, faith is to be exercised. And then it says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. At tonight, God is offering a gift to this audience, to individuals, and it is to be a gift to be enjoyed. Some people have the mistaken notion that salvation is something you've got to endure. And sometimes believers go around with a long face and it's, oh, not a very good advertisement. But I can tell you that salvation is to be enjoyed. It's a gift to be enjoyed. God gives good gifts. God gives gifts that last for time and for all eternity. And tonight, I can look back to a moment when I received the greatest gift that could ever be given. It was the gift of everlasting life. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let me just speak very, very quickly now in the few minutes I've got. I want to speak about grace. I want to speak about salvation. And I'd like to speak about faith, and I'd like to speak about a gift. Grace embraced, salvation experienced, faith exercised, a gift enjoyed. But you know, having said those four words, let me just take you to the other side of those four words, because there is a counterpart to that. Why do we need grace? Why is God offering grace? Why is it said, by, for by grace are you saved through faith? Because you see, grace is really the answer or the remedy to our guilt. And that's exactly where this chapter starts. Starts with the, with the x-ray as to what we are and what we've done and who we are in God's sight. 
And God makes it very clear that we are sinners and we are all guilty. And because we are guilty, we need grace. So grace is the remedy to our guilt. Saved. Why do we need to be saved? Because this book tells us we are lost. We are lost. And when an individual acknowledges, oh God, I am lost, then we look for salvation. We look to be saved. And tonight, that's exactly what salvation is all about. We are lost in our sins. We need to be rescued. And that's why this verse is so wonderful. For it says, for by grace are ye saved. Could I ask you tonight? Are you saved? Or let me just back up a little bit more. Has there ever been a moment when you discovered, I'm lost, lost, can't find my way, far from God, I need to be rescued, I need to be saved? Well, that's exactly what God's desire is. For by grace are you saved through faith. What's the opposite of faith? People are working, are trying to work and do something to merit salvation trying to live a good life, trying to be good to their neighbor, and, and all of that is good. But, you know, if we could get to heaven by what we do, there'd be a, several things wrong with that. Can you imagine being in heaven? And I would talk to you, and i said, say, now, how did you get here? You'd say, well, you know, I did all kinds of good things, and I gave a lot of money to charitable causes, and, and you know, I, I sang in the choir, and I did this, and I did that, and heaven would be filled with boasters. What an awful place. I don't know about you, but I, I don't like people that kind of blow their, their own whistle too loudly. <laughs> Turns me off. Can you imagine heaven being filled with people that are there because of what they do? No, no, it's not of works. It's not by what we do. It's by simply resting on what Christ has done and on what God says. And so he says it's by faith, through faith. And it's a gift. And the opposite of gift is a wage, a wage. And as I've already mentioned, the wages of sin is death. So I trust there might be somebody here tonight. You might be a young person. You might be a teenager. You might be in your 20s or 30s. Or you might be a, a pensioner now. I don't, I don't know. But you're going to get one of these two things. It's your choice. You can either accept the wages of sin. It's coming to you. It's what you've worked for. The Bible says there are wages for sin. The wages of sin is death. Now that's not just six feet of earth. We are all dying individuals because we are sinners. The soul that sinneth it shall die. But there's a far greater reality to be separated from God forever. The eternal death, the second death. What an awful reality. The wages of sin separates us from God. The greatest tragedy that could ever come to a person is to step into eternity to receive the wages of their sin. The other side of that is the gift of God is eternal life. And tonight, that's what's being offered. And so this is not a small verse, is it? Simple words. Far-reaching results, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, the Bible speaks an awful lot about grace. In fact, it says, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. You know, as we look at this chapter, we find that we've been marked by sin, and because of our sin, we are guilty. 
In fact, if you read the first three verses of this chapter, you will be made aware that sin has done a tremendous work against us. Sin has separated us. And really, when a person is separated from God, they're dead, spiritually dead. That just simply means that, they're, that they don't respond to God. God calls, but it's almost as if the line has been cut. There's no response. God blesses, but, but again, there's no response to them because they're not on speaking terms. They're separated from God. And so we find that sin has separated the entire human race from God. We're all sinners. And we find that not only has it brought death, spiritual death to us, but disobedience marks us. In fact, Isaiah 53 and 6 was the verse that I was reading when God saved me. And that verse says, we have turned everyone to his own way. Now, that's a decisive thing, isn't it? We have turned everyone. And as decisively as you made a turn, a choice to come into this parking lot, you turned into the, into the parking area. So every individual makes choices to go their own way. And what I'm telling you, I'm telling myself because I, I turned and I went my own way. It was the best way I thought. It was the way I wanted to go. But I was a rebel to God. And it certainly indicates that we are disobedient to his word. We look at the pathway of individuals. We find that they enjoy their sin. They're depraved. They know what is right, and yet they turn away from God. And they plunge down into their own lifestyle. And the Bible says they're children of wrath, even as others. Sin has worked a deadly work against us. But now God steps in. And there was a moment when the grace of God that brings us salvation had appeared. I like to think of it that grace is the vehicle, the vehicle that brings the payload into, into view. It's like a large tractor trailer that comes down to where we live. And it stops, it begins to unload. What's it unloading? It's unloading salvation. The grace of God that bring us salvation hath appeared to all men. What did it involve? It involved the sending of a Savior. And as I've already mentioned, that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 tells us there was one who was rich, fabulously rich. We don't have the language to describe the riches that were his. And yet there came a moment when he had his eye upon a little speck of sand that we know as our earth. And he says, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to become poor so that those sinners who have no hope might be made rich forever. And down from the glory, the Savior came. Have you ever thought about his coming? Have you ever thought about our response to him? There's no band playing when he came. There's no red carpet that was rolled out for him. There was no acclamation that was given him. In fact, the Bible says he was despised and rejected of man. You know, we like rags to riches stories, don't we? About people that had nothing and became fabulously rich. And that's, that's in, in our hearts, isn't it? But there was one who was fabulously rich and yet who became desperately poor so that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. And tonight, the riches of heaven have been brought alongside of us and are being offered to every individual. That's the grace of God. God is offering us something that we don't deserve. We don't deserve anything from God. We are guilty. We are sinners. We are rebels. We have gone our own way. And yet the grace of God has brought salvation. At the night, friend, the grace of God is able to meet your needs.
That's what John Newton appreciated. And if you've never read his story, it'd be a very interesting story to read. A young man that grew up under the sound of the gospel from his mother, but he didn't want that. Came under the influence of his father, a very ungodly man, a sea captain. John Newton followed his father out to sea, became involved in the slave trade, and went through all kinds of horrific lifestyle events. And yet there came a moment during a storm in which he thought he was going to go down to the bottom. He realized, I am a sinner. I'm a desperate sinner. And he cried out to God for salvation. And in that moment of salvation, a, a moment came later on when he began to write these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now found was blind, but now I see. Have you ever been able to sing about amazing grace? Because it really is amazing that God would be interested in a sinner like me. And friend, God is interested in a sinner like you. The grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared, for by grace are you saved through faith. Do we deserve it? No, no. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God did not spare his son. God judged him in our place because of his amazing grace. For by grace are ye saved. I've already suggested that we need to be saved because we're lost. There was a, a freighter by the name of Flare, F-L-A-R-E, coming across the Atlantic. It was just, just a little under Newfoundland. We were living there at the time. And so it was headline news. As that captain was trying to get that freighter kind of underneath the, the southern shore of the island to get to a little bit of shelter from the, from the storm. They were bucking huge winds and huge waves. Most of the mariners were asleep in their, in their bunks down in the hold. Just a couple of men were up on the bridge. Four o'clock in the morning, a dark, dark January morning, when all of a sudden there was a, a terrific booming noise that went right through that entire ship, like a rifle crack. Woke up all the mariners. They tumbled out of their bunks, realizing something has happened. And when they came on deck, came up on top of the deck, they saw a sight that they could hardly believe was true. You know what happened? Their ship had literally split in two. 24 men on the, on the stern part of the ship. Six men on the, on the bow part of the ship. And those men realized very quickly, we need to be saved. We need to be saved. Couldn't do anything for themselves. Dark, stormy weather, howling winds, no lifeboats. Could hard, well, they, they, they put out an SOS. But who was going to get there in time? Because the stern part of the ship began to sink. And before the dawn ever broke that morning, 24 men had gone down to a watery grave. You know why? There was no one around to save them. I thought, isn't that a picture of, of the lives of individuals going along the, the sea of life? Maybe asleep, maybe thinking everything's okay, maybe thinking, you know, really, I don't have too much to worry about. But in the darkness of the night, eternity looms into view. And our little vessel begins to break up. And all of a sudden, we're facing the tremendous truth. We're heading into eternity, and we need to be saved. Tonight, I would like to tell you that there is a Savior that wants to save you. If you've never trusted Him, you need to be saved because you are lost. 
And yet the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, when a person is lost, they can't find their way back. When a person is lost, they, they, they can't save themselves. They need someone else to save them. And that's what this verse is telling us, that God's salvation has been brought into view, that in the midst of our hopelessness and helplessness, the Son of Man came, and the Good Shepherd is seeking, and the Savior went to the cross to put away our sin. And tonight we can be saved from the penalty of our sin. You see, we are accountable for every sin we've committed. And that sin which has brought guilt to us is taking us into, sometimes we use the expression, a lost eternity. By that, we simply mean that we're heading out into eternity to be lost as far as the salvation of our soul is concerned. There is a real heaven, thank God. There is a real hell for every individual that refuses to trust Christ that has never trusted him, that is not saved. And tonight this meeting is divided, not just by two aisles, but this meeting is divided by individuals. Some have been saved by the grace of God. Some are still lost in their sins that need to be saved through faith. You know, if I could just make it clear like I'd like to, faith is really the easiest possible terms that God could ever give us. He's not asking us to do something. Because if he asked us to do something, there'd be some people that would be unable to do that. Suppose he said that uh, you can get saved if you walk five miles. What about the person that can't walk? What about the person that's in a bed? That, that, that is paralyzed or whatever. He, he or she would be unable to do that. They'd be, they'd be excluded. But God's universal plan of salvation and God's amazing offer brings it to the simplest possible terms. He has given us his word. And when a person places faith or confidence or trust in that word, God says, he that heareth my word and believeth him that sent me has everlasting life. How simple, how wonderful. And friend, my faith is not in myself. And God does not ask us to put our faith in something that's unreliable. This is a book that is absolutely reliable, unchanging, absolutely true. And the work that this book speaks of is an eternal work that has been satisfactory to God. The Lord Jesus paid the price. He put away sin. He cried, it is finished. And now God is offering us the gift of everlasting life. But let me just ask you tonight personally, have you received the gift? Have you taken what God is offering, what God has paid for, through the infinite suffering of his son at the cross? Have you ever received the gift and thanked the giver? Are you still going through life on your own directives? That's why this verse is so all-encompassing, isn't it? For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What a mountain of truth in just a couple of verses. Simple words, but realities that can change our lives forever. We hope that God's grace has been experienced in your life and that you're rejoicing in His salvation. His grace does not excuse or minimize our sin, but it does treasure the sinner and wants to give you the greatest gift possible.
If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.